0: The sermon passage will be in Matthew 27, 32 through 66. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there were darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders, hearing it, said, "'This man is calling Elijah.' And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, "'Wait, let us see "'whether Elijah will come to save him.' And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, "'Sir, we remember how that imposter said "'while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. "'Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure "'until the third day, lest his disciples go "'and steal him away and tell the people. "'He has risen from the dead, "'and the last fraud will be worse than the first.' "'Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. "'Go, make it as secure as you can.' "'So they went and made the tomb secure, By sealing the stone and setting a guard.
1: I think it just came on. There we go. Yeah. Technology is a beautiful gift until it's not. Let's pray. Our great God, this morning we're gathered in the name of your son, Jesus. And we gather in his name because we believe he indeed is your son. He indeed is the king of your people. He indeed is the redeemer. The one who makes all things new. The one who writes all wrongs, the one who redeems sinners, the one who gives hope, the one who gives life, the one who has power. And believing this, O oh Lord, we come to you in His name, crying out for You to teach us, pleading with You to guide us. And on this day in particular, we're pleading that you would give us hope and joy and peace in Christ. Lord, it's a supernatural thing to know a true joy and a true hope and a true peace. In the face of difficulty, hardship, suffering. And Lord, I'm asking boldly that you would give that to your people today. I'm asking that the words... Christ died for my sins... And called me his own. Would bring great hope to your people today. For those here this morning who may be far from you, separated from you, cut off from you. Would you draw them to yourself? Please, oh God. Please work in this gathering today. We plead all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, friends, I'm just going to cut to the chase. And some of you are like, finally, it took 15 years. <laughs> this has been a very, very, very difficult few weeks in the life of Redeemer Church. Not because anything bad's happening to the church, but because people are suffering. And people are hurting. And bad stuff is happening happening. If we did public prayer request this morning, it'd go about an hour. There would be no sermon and many tears would be shed on top of prayers. Perhaps that's what we should do, but I didn't prepare for that. And we're on Facebook right now, so we're going to keep going. But hear this clearly. Hear this clearly. This passage is about Jesus' death. And it would be a fireable offense for me to preach this passage and not say this. The blood of Christ was poured out to bring eternal salvation to sinful people. Turn to him. There's another really important layer here. As Christ died, he was undoing the curse that broke the world. He's undoing the curse of death and the curse of fallenness and the curse of a world that doesn't know the Lord. So that big pile of stuff that's got many of us hurting, sad, doubting, broken, Fearful, afraid, guilty, remorseful, that whole pile. Jesus lived and died and rose again to show that he is Lord over all of that. And while fear and hurt and emotion and grief are appropriate, These harsh realities don't have to define us because Jesus is Lord over all. So if you're one of those who's deeply hurting today, I'm just going to make eye contact with that screen up there. There's no guilt or shame directed toward any of you in what I just said. No, we love you. No, we care for you and we want to minister the love of Christ to you deeply. And Lord Jesus, would you minister your grace deeply? So here at Redeemer, we're studying our way through the book of Matthew, the passage that Emmy just read for us. And I noticed she practiced her Aramaic phrases, so well done, Emmy. Um, We'll see, um, after 10.30, we'll grade the two readers. We'll We'll see who did better. Um, Dan, are you in here? Do we have a reader for 1030? Are Dan, Dan's not in here. Okay, never mind. I hope we have a reader for 1030. Because <laughs> if it's me versus Emmy, Emmy wins all day long. <laughs> like, no question asked. Okay. Um, so we're starting our way through the book of Matthew, and we, we, we've come to this pivotal moment. Like, the whole story's been building up to the death of Jesus, building up to those moments on the cross where Christ is crucified. And that's what we get to consider this morning. Um, So, our main point, it's sitting there. Jesus Christ died as an innocent man to bear the wrath of God that was owed... To a sinful humanity. And Jesus died to redeem the brokenness of the totality of the world. And somehow in the next 25 minutes, we're going to consider all of that. So point one, if you want to take notes this morning, the events. These are just the facts of the story. So as we walk through the story, we ended last week, Jesus was condemned by the Jewish leaders. He was taken to the governor, Pilate, the political leader. He was condemned to death there. He was beaten. He was mocked. And now the story picks up with Jesus is supposed to carry his own cross to the place Of his crucifixion. But when we piece Matthew's story together with Mark and Luke and John's story, it seems that the magnitude of the beating prevented him from being able to carry his cross. So they found a man named Simon, not the Simon called Peter, but Simon of Cyrene, and they compelled him to carry the cross of Jesus. So Simon does, they put Jesus on the cross. He's hanging there. They offered him wine mixed with gall. And he tasted it, but did not drink it. And if you grew up in an ultra fundamentalist background, that verse doesn't mean what you think it might mean. We'll move on. They hung him there, they divided his garments, and cast lots for him. They hung a sign over his head that said, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. And as we've talked about repeatedly the last few weeks, what you have going on there is the Jews want him killed for claiming to be the King of the Jews, and yet this is what he was condemned of by Pilate. So the sign's correct, and he's condemned. We're told that as the crucifixion proceeds, ultimately Jesus yields up his spirit and gives himself over to death. He's prepared for burial and buried in a tomb owned by a man named Joseph of Arimathea. A stone is rolled in front of the tomb. And the tomb is being watched and guarded. These are the events of the story. The Son of God has been killed. Condemned and killed. On a merely human level, this story sounds sad. On a merely human level, this story sounds tragic. But Matthew has written this story in a way that we don't interpret it on a merely human level. So that pushes us to our second point. Witnesses. Witnesses. Ultimately, Matthew goes out of his way to show that all parties involved participated all parties involved except a small handful of Jesus' followers, participated in the mocking and the ridicule and the derision that was hurled at him in his death. So much so that, that one scholar said, in many ways the last temptation of Jesus happened right here when he's being called upon to show that if he's really who he says he is, he can save himself from the cross. And we should believe that Jesus very much had the power to save himself from the cross, and yet he did not as he walked through the plan of God to build the people of God and the kingdom of God that would last forever. But, but again, it's very meticulous. We have the Roman soldiers Mocking him, stripping him, casting lots for his clothing. We have the two robbers hanging on his right and left, pretty much saying, hey, if you're who you think you are, why don't you save yourself and save us? We have those who passed by, mocking him, shouting insults at him, Using his own words against him. We have the religious leaders. The scribes and the Pharisees. Mocking him. Shouting at him. Using his own words against him. Why is Matthew including these details? It's a great question, I, I believe matthew's including these details to clearly depict for us that the death of Jesus didn't happen because of one rogue person flexing his muscle and exerting his authority, but rather it happened because the religious leaders missed their messiah. It happened because The Romans missed their hope. It happened because everyone except a small handful of followers rejected him. And then we get this theme. We're told. That a small collection of faithful women. Including the two Marys and the. The mother of the sons of Zebedee. They were present. They were watching. We don't know exactly where the disciples were. But the witnesses, except for this small handful of the faithful, and I would include the disciples not named in the small handful of the faithful. The witnesses of the crucifixion seemed to enjoy it and participate in it exactly how the Roman leaders intended crucifixion to be carried out. Crucifixions took uh, took place in public places to celebrate, not celebrate, but to make very public what was happening to warn off other criminals. And so everyone around, cumulatively speaking, jumps in and participates in the crucifixion. Okay, so you've come to church this morning. And I've told you Jesus died. I've told you all the witnesses joined in the mockery, the derision, the insults, the testing of him. And thus far, we can take away from this that Jesus did not yield to the temptation to deliver himself from the cross, but rather he endured the cross to carry out the plan of God, the Father. Okay, there's there's a little more for us to see. So we're going to keep going. Third point, the magnitude. The magnitude. Look at verse 54. When the centurion, the Roman guard... And those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what, t- what took place. They were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the son of God. So in this crucifixion event. Matthew reveals for us two occurrences. That caused. Some present to rethink the claims of Jesus. First, there were physical, cosmic events taking place during the crucifixion which could not have been carried out by a human. There were events taking place during the crucifixion which could not have been carried out by a human. So one of them, verse 45, it was the sixth hour, which is basically mid-afternoon when today we will all want to take a nap. But at mid-afternoon, darkness fell over all the land. No human could perpetuate that. So perhaps it was a coincidence. Second, verse 51, the curtain of the temple was torn into two pieces. Ah, well, anybody could have done that. Except it was torn from the top to the bottom. It was torn from the top to the bottom. Now, scholars debate which curtain in the temple it was. Perhaps it was the curtain that separated the Jews from the Gentiles, the holy people from the dirty people. Or perhaps it was the curtain that separated everybody from the presence of God in the holy of holies. But either way, this event, this tearing of the curtain that could not have been perpetuated by humans is the Lord declaring something is happening that changes the way I relate to people and people relate to one another. Third, the earth shook and the rocks were split. So there was an earthquake. There's darkness. There's torn curtains. There's an earthquake again Hollywood didn't exist nothing that could be perpetuated by people fourth the tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs And we're told that after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So clearly, if you're in Jerusalem on this day, there's this man dying for claiming to be the king of the Jews. And there's all the people that you normally get your religious guidance from mocking him and shaming him and shunning him and laughing at him and celebrating his downfall. And then the Lord adds to this, this layer of the inexplicable. Darkness falling. Curtains being torn. Earthquakes happening. Dead people rising. What what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Ultimately, What we're doing here is God is validating the claims of his son. And he's showing the power of his son to redeem the totality of a broken world. Which yes is sin and separation but it's also death and decay. It's also evil and hurt. It's all the consequences of the fall, God is effectively saying all that's being shaken right now with what's happening in Jerusalem on this day. Now, well, what preceded all of that? This is the second reality. It's on the cross... For a moment, for a season, something happens between Jesus and the Father that ultimately precipitates all of these other things. So verse 46, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, see I'm not even going to try. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now scholars have spent centuries wrestling with this one sentence. Churchmen and church people have spent centuries wrestling with this one sentence. Dissertation upon dissertation that I don't have has been written on this one sentence. But minimally, what Jesus is saying is in this moment, the father, he uses the word forsaken. The father is relating to Jesus differently than he has the entire The the entirety of his earthly life. The Father has turned his face away. Jesus is bearing the wrath and the penalty of sin that sinful people deserve while facing physical death. So Jesus isn't just dying physically, but Spiritually, he's bearing what a sinful humanity deserves. And so when we put that with the darkness and with the earthquake and with the torn curtain and with the opened tombs, what's being declared here is something eternal is happening. Something that changes forever is happening In this moment. So what I want to share with us today. Is something that almost all of you learned in kindergarten Sunday school class. And yet we'll all spend the rest of eternity contemplating. The world was broken by sin. Death. Guilt, shame, fear, those are the consequences of a sinful, broken world. And Jesus, through his death, is undoing that sin and rebellion. He's undoing the brokenness that sin and rebellion brought to the world. So what this means for us, is on a personal, spiritual level, we are separated from God by our sin and rebellion. And as we sang this morning, Christ died to pay the penalty of our sin, that we could be forgiven and welcomed and accepted as children of God. Second, Christ is the Lord of all. And he's the healer of it all. And so the hope of our future is Jesus. The hope of an eternity without the consequences of sin and death is Jesus. And if we're with him, then we're with him. And there's no better place to be. So as a people living in a fallen world, a people still walking in sickness, still walking in death, still walking in brokenness, still walking in all the pain and sorrow of things done to us in our childhood or in our marriages or in our school or in our upbringing or wherever, the hope of all of that is that Christ has defeated sin, Christ has defeated death, And the safest place to be in all of eternity is with Christ. So friends, what I want for us today is to consider this. That what happened to Jesus on a cross over 2,000 years ago Has great implication for me and for us. I want you to personalize that and say, This work of Christ is for sinful people like me. And then the call of faith is this I know that I need Jesus, so I cling to him. I know that Christ is building his kingdom and restoring all things to himself and making all things new, so I'll go with him and I'll follow him because I want to be where he is. Because where Jesus is, is the right place to be. And I can face whatever this world offers me it will hurt. I will pray. I will trust. I will wait. But I will walk through those valleys with Jesus. The magnitude of the cross is that there is blessing that flows through all places all time periods and lasts forever so let's run to this savior together so our father and our god we do pray now you would take these words from your scripture and as much as what's been said this morning is true and right and good We pray you would give us faith. And you would cause us to walk in your ways. We plead this because of Jesus. Amen. Friends, it's great to. I'm so thankful we got to be together this morning. As we do each week, we call upon everyone present to respond to the Lord in some way. If you're with us this morning and you are a Christian, meaning you have confessed your sin and you see your hope and your redemption through Jesus, you cling to him, then, and you've made that known to a church, then we would invite you to take the Lord's Supper with us. And in taking the bread and taking the cup, what we're saying is our hope comes from the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, so we cling to him. If you're with us today and you're not a Christ follower, We would ask that you let the bread and the cup pass you by. But as it passes, would you please consider this statement? What if Christ died for me? Question mark. How will I respond? We would love the joy of talking with you. So we're going to sing. Please sing with us. Some folks are going to pass out the bread and the cup. Take them and hold on to them. And I'll come back in just a few minutes and we'll eat and drink as one.
2: have before that death of sin, now canceled out. i See- and all his precious blood. Don't fear your banishment from God since Jesus sets you
1: thank you. Thank you that you sent your son to redeem and to restore and to make all things new. And thank you that you made a place for us in that plan. We take this bread, a sign of the body of Christ broken for a sinful people and we eat it in faith. And we take this cup, a sign of the blood of Jesus poured out to redeem a sinful people and we drink it.
2: Amen.
3: Amen. It has been so good to gather with you this morning. Thank you again for being here today. Let me share a few announcements with you before we go. First, our youth will be meeting this Wednesday night. So if you have a sixth through twelfth grader, we would love for them to come and be a part of our youth service that will meet in here from 6:30 to 8. They are invited to come as early as 6 or stay and and/or stay until 8:30 to catch up with, hang out with, fellowship with one another. So come and be a part of that. Also, two weeks from today, Sunday, March 3rd, will be our next night of worship and prayer. That will be here from 6 to 7.30. Creatively enough, it'll be a night when we gather and we worship and we pray. Uh, but that is a wonderful time together just to cry out to the Lord together. We will have child care that night for infants through pre-K. So if you need that, please register for that. You don't have to register to come. Please come one and all. But if you do need childcare, that will help us plan accordingly for us. So try to register as soon as you can for that piece of it. So do come out Sunday night, March 3rd, for our night of worship and prayer. And then at the end of March, of course, will be Holy Week and all of the events around that. Hopefully you've seen the announcements coming out this week, but we will have our Seder on Thursday night, our Good Friday service on Friday night, and three Resurrection Sunday services that morning. That'll be 8, 9, 30, and 11. Three services Sunday morning, 8, 9, 30, 11. You'll be hearing that a lot more from me. Thank you to the many, many of you who have already registered for Seder. If you are new to Redeemer... On that Thursday night, we gather at the gym of Indian Lake Peninsula Church. We thank our friends there for opening that up to us, and we go through the Seder, and we look at how all of the elements of it point to Jesus, and we share a meal together, and it is a wonderful time together. Because of the logistics involved, we would ask that you please register as soon as possible for that, because registration will have to close on March 14th, two weeks out to let us prepare for food. Um, Also, if we overflow that space, we are going to have an overflow Seder here a couple of our elders have graciously agreed to lead that one when you register there's a place you could check to let us know if you'd be willing to come to the overflow and if needed so again the sooner you can register the better for our planning and for amy's sanity we want to preserve that for as long as humanly possible amy would also welcome your help with setup and teardowns. So if you're interested in that email her and let her know before we go this morning one more thing we love to welcome new members into covenant fellowship so eric and ann there you are if you all want to come on up this is eric and ann Harmon. If you haven't gotten to know them, they are wonderful people, but they have professed faith in Christ, they've been baptized as believers, they've come to our new member class, signed their covenants, and desired to join with us, and we are thrilled to officially welcome them today. And in the second service, we will get to welcome Sam and Cindy Maldonado. So we are excited to see the Lord continue to bring people to Redeemer, but when we dismiss in a moment, come up and officially welcome them. If you are teaching in the next hour, please go straight to your class so we can turn those around, and if you could also help by gathering your trash on your way out, we'd appreciate that. We love you, and you are dismissed.